So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to uh, the book of Acts. You know, uh, we have been uh, reading through some selected stories and passages in the book of Acts. Uh, just keep it uh, in chapter 14. We will also look into chapter 15. But I will read just a short passage just to give us an idea of what is happening in this section of, of the book of Acts. So I will read uh, three verses uh, in Acts 14, so 21 to 23. Keep in mind, this is just a, just a short section of what we are really going to, uh, to look into, the whole 14 and 15. So let me read. I'm reading from the ESV uh, Bible, Acts 14, 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This is the word of the Lord. You know, the benefits of us going through the book of Acts is it's like we're looking into uh, the history and see how uh, people, uh, believers of, uh, of Jesus, experience the grace of the Lord. And we also see how they handled challenges together. And we will also see, we have been seeing how they flourish together. So hopefully as we go through these, you know, uh, selected passages, uh, it will help us see the bigger picture. Hindi lang natin makita yung ating Christian faith in our church history, in our life as a Christian. Makita natin yung mas malawak na picture of, of our Christian faith through the lens of the people who experienced that in Acts. And I hope that, you know, we will see our own challenges from a different perspective. You know, Christianity today uh, is facing so many challenges that uh, we can no longer ignore. I was with a pastor yesterday. I asked him, uh, brother, uh, what do you plan to do? Do you discuss, you know, what's been happening in the Christian faith now about, you know, leaders falling away and you know, other voices outside the Christian faith seemingly attacking uh, your faith. Sabi niya, bro, actually, wala namang reason for me to talk about, you know, uh, Christians falling away. I think we're talking about it in our small groups. But uh, the push and pull of, you know, the LGBTQ issue is too difficult to ignore. And in fact, it's not to be ignored needs to be addressed. So we see also challenges uh, in, in the book of Acts. The challenges obviously will come from, from outside the church. We talk about that, that you know, they have been persecuted to the point of death. They are executed. They are dragged out of their homes. So there are challenges outside the church but there are also conflicts happening inside the church last sunday 
if you were here, Pastor John preached about you know, you, you profile of uh, Apostle Paul and Barnabas and how they pursued God's call in their life. So today, we are going to look into their missionary journey, yung mga places na pinuntahan nila, and uh, how together with the church, they handled the conflicts they experienced along the way, and there were a lot. So we will look into the external conflicts, yung ano yung external conflicts that they encountered, and the internal conflicts that they also experience, and hopefully as we look at them, it will be you know an encouragement for us. If you are, if you have so many questions about what's been happening, you know, I hope this will be an encouragement, and it, I hope that it will give us handles on how to address you know conflicts we experience today, not just in the church but also in your families and wherever God has called you. So. Two things lang, dealing with external conflicts and dealing with internal conflicts. Let's go right ahead with the, how they dealt with the external conflicts. There were two external conflicts that they encountered. First is uh, there were conflicts about rejecting the truth, rejecting the truth that they have, which it led to disturbance people are rejecting the truth and that led to disturbance. That's, we see that in the first part of uh, chapter 14, verse 1. Now, at Iconium, keep in mind, iba-ibang lugar yung pinuntahan nila, nasa Iconium pa lang sila dito, they entered together in the Jewish synagogue uh, and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believe. So, may mga naniwala but, but, there were unbelieving Jews that stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So may mga, habang sila ay nagpipreach ng good news, meron mga dumarating din na nagpipreach ng fake news. Sinasabi, hindi naman totoo yung sinasabi ng, ni Paul and Barnabas. And, you know, there will always be people who will not believe the good news. They will, there will always be people who will reject the truth. But sometimes, itong, uh, the group of people who are rejecting the truth are causing some disturbance. And this disturbance can lead to violence. We see that in verse 4. Verse 4 says, But the people in the city were divided. Were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them, ano, ano pa ang gagawin? Babatuhin sila. Sino po dito ang nakaranas ng batuhin? Meron ba? Ano ba yan? Sa Rumble ba yan? Ano? Yeah, I would assume, yeah. During uh, during childhood days, magbabatohan ka. Pero imagine batohin ka nung mga ganitong kalaki, no? <laughs> because you were proclaiming the gospel. How many of us experience being stoned because you were a Christian? And if you were Paul and Barnabas, there's a threat to your life. There's a threat to violence. What would you do? Magdadala ka ba ng shield? 
Dadala ka ba ng payong? Medyo para harangan yung mga, ano, yung mga bato? Medyo magsusot ka ba ng helmet para pag, ano, protected yung ulo mo kapag binato ka? What would you do? Let's see how they handled itong unbelief na to that led to disturbance and violence. Verse 3. So, they remained for a long time. What? There's a threat to your life. There's a disturbance. People are being divided. And their decision is to stay in that place for a longer period of time. That's crazy. They stayed there for a long time. Bakit? Why would people stay in a place where their life are being threatened? Ano yung next statement? Because they, they are speaking boldly for the Lord. They bear witness to the word of His grace. Signs and wonders are, being ha- are happening. So what they are saying is, you know, if the Lord is at work here, I can just leave. If the Lord is at work here, even if my life is at stake, I cannot leave. The work of the Lord is here. Pero on verse 6, when there's a threat to their life, ano yung sabi? They learned of it and they... Ayan, tumakas rin naman pala, pastor. Nagtago rin naman pala. They fled to another place called Lystra and Derby, cities of Lycaonia, Lycaonia, and to the surrounding country. Did they go to these places to hide? Ano yung sabi sa verse 7? They went there to preach the gospel. They went there to preach the gospel. Now, whether they stayed in a place or they left a place, what was consistent in their missionary journey was they continued to preach the gospel. Hindi deciding factor yung what is happening in the society Ang deciding factor is how the Lord is moving in their life to preach the gospel in those places. So, nasa ikonyum sila, may threat to their life, pero nakatakas. Pumunta sila sa listra, pero doon mukhang natuluyan na. Verse 19 in your Bibles, chapter 14. But the Jews, ito yung climax. But the Jews came from Antioch and Icon. Sinundan sila. Sinundan. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. Can you imagine what's happening here? So kanina, sabi natin, bina, merong threat to their life, babatuhin sila. This time, it really happened. They, they were stoned. Paul was stoned. Hindi lang siya binato, ano pang ginawa sa kanya? He was dragged out of the city. Meron na kayong nakitang tao na hinahatak palabas? If you uh, if you watch yung uh, the closest would be yung General Luna. General Luna nga ba yun? Uh, when he was being executed, he was being dragged away uh, yung lifeless body niya. I'm imagining something like that. He's being dragged outside the city. The, you know, the people are saying, we don't need you here. We want you dead and we don't need you in this city. 
Look at what he did in verse 20. When the disciples gathered to him, kasi mukhang patay na siya, ano yung ginawa niya? He rose up. Entered the city again. Crazy guy. <laughs> Amazing. And on the next day, sabi niya, mukhang tapos na ako dito. Mukhang tapos na ako dito. I'm going to the next city with my friend Barnabas. When they were experiencing conflict of people rejecting the truth to the point that there's disturbance, to the point that there's violence, to the point that there's physical harm, Apostle Paul stands up, shakes off the dust, enters the city again, goes to another city to preach the gospel. Why would he do this? Why would he do that? You know, this is his testimony in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, when there is unbelief, when, when people are rejecting the truth, and that rejection leads to disturbance and violence, you know, we can exercise wisdom. You know, we can exercise wisdom whether to stay in that place or whether we go, whether we stick around or whether we leave. But whether we stick around or leave, you know, we can, more than exercising wisdom, we can exercise faith to keep proclaiming the good news. And that's what they did when they experienced a conflict of rejecting the truth. Second conflict, second external conflict that they experience are people believing in false truth that led to idolatry. May mga tao na mukhang naniniwala naman sila dun sa nangyayari, pero yung kanilang paniniwala ay mali, yung kanilang paniniwala led to idolatry. Here's what happened. So again, this is in Lystra now, Lystra, verse 8. So there was a man, there was a man sitting uh, there who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him, seeing that he had faith to be made well. Paul said in a loud voice, stand up, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. Wow. And then what happened? Verse 11. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices. They say in their own dialect, in their own language, the gods are here. The gods are here among us. So Barnabas, ang tawag nila kay Barnabas, siya si, si Zeus. Si Paul, siya si Hermes, not the expensive bag. <laughs> Hermes or in Mercury, tama ba? Uh, in Roman uh, uh, mythology. Kasi si, si Paul yung nagsasalita. Si Barnabas siguro nasa gilid lang kasi as we have heard last Sunday, 
he is more the, the son, of an uh, son of encouragement. So Paul is speaking, and the crowd said, Wow, they see, we see sign and, signs and wonders. You, you must be Zeus and Hermes. You must be gods. Hindi lang yun, ano pa yung sinabi dun sa verse 13? Hindi lang yung, hindi lang yung crowd, even the priest of the temple, Zeus, was, uh, temple was at the entrance of the city. Anong ginawa nila? Nagdala ng oxen, ng garlands to the gates, and wanted to offer sacrifices at Paul and Barnabas. They wanted to offer sacrifices. You know, the people were amazed at the signs and wonders, and in some cases, what we have seen in, as we go through Acts, uh, when they see signs and wonders, they turn to God, and they say, what must I do to be saved? But in this case, they said, these are gods. They turned to the messengers and elevated them to the point of worshiping them. How does this apply today? You know, when we put Christian personalities on a pedestal, as if they can never make mistakes, that's a slippery slope. When we, when we idolize, you know, big names in the Christian circles and think like everything they say is correct, that's, that's scary. And then when we have leaders, Christian leaders fall away, those people who follow these Christian leaders, their faith are shaken. Paano hinandle ni Paul at saka ni Barnabas yung, yung situation? The people are, you know, people are worshiping them. People, you know, look at them and they see that they are gods. Ano yung sinabi nila? Ano yung nangyari? Verse 14. When the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Friends! Why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. So basically, they're saying, we're just ordinary people. You know, we experience the same things as you. We, we make mistakes too. You know, they brought themselves down, but they elevated the message. They're saying, you know, we're just ordinary jars of clay. But what we carry with us is the treasure. So they value the treasure, the carrier themselves. They say, we're just ordinary people. You know, we need more people like that in our Christian circles. You know, Apostle Paul said, you know, the Lord gave him a thorn in the flesh in, in 2 Corinthians 12. And he said, you know, I've asked the Lord three times to you know, take it away, but the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, many Christians today, and this is just a commentary, this is not an interpretation of what's happening, so personal commentary lang. Many Christians, Christian leaders today, 
are experiencing thorns in the flesh. Maybe God allowed it to happen to remind us that they are people too. Maybe God allowed it to happen for us to realize they make mistakes too. Maybe God allowed it to happen for us to realize they also need grace of the Lord. That they also too sing that song, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you. Maybe it's God allowing that to happen for them and for us to see that God's grace is sufficient, especially in their weaknesses. So how do we avoid putting Christian personalities on a pedestal? Let me just give uh, a few practical ways. You know, let's continue to listen to them. I encourage you to listen to, to preachers and teachers, local or foreigner. Listen to them regularly, but don't stick with just one. I know you have your favorite preacher, you have a, your favorite teacher. Don't listen to just one. So listen to them. Listen, listen to, to great preachers and great teachers. I'm, I'm not going to stop you to listen to them. But don't listen to just one. But while you're listening to them, listen more to preachers and teachers and leaders that God placed in your life. Okay, listen to people, listen to John Piper and all those people. I love them. I listen to them. But listen more to preachers and teachers and leaders that God placed in your life. So this may sound self-serving because I'm one of them. <laughs> but I need to say this because, you know, I, I think it's just right. We need to listen even if these leaders, the preachers, the teachers that God placed in our life may not be as good as your favorite teacher. They may not be as eloquent as the popular Christian leaders. They may not be as well-educated as they are. They may not be able to, to expound or give expository preaching you know, the way your favorite podcast can do. But God placed them in your life for a purpose. Because God will hold them accountable for your soul. Listen to them. Listen more to them. Pray for them. And also for those who are leading a small group, if you're leading, preaching, or teaching, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you uh, with this. Don't be intimidated by excellent preachings from from other people. God did not call you to be Tim Keller. But you can be a better preacher, teacher, leader to your friend than Tim Keller can do, than all these big guys can do. You can be better. You can be better, believe me. You can be better. Because those guys cannot be with your friend when they are hurting. Those guys cannot join you in, in their birthday party. 
when they are heartbroken, they cannot pray for your friend, but you can. So listen more to us. <laughs> but here's the last thing. You listen to other preachers, you listen more to the people that God placed in your life, but listen most to the Holy Spirit. Listen most to the Holy Spirit through God's Word. You know why? Because only the Bible is inspired by the Spirit of God. Only the Bible is Spirit-infused. Only the Bible is infallible. Only the Bible cannot make mistakes. So listen most to God's Word. Here's a, a good summary statement of how Paul and Barnabas dealt with external conflicts. And, and this is how they handled uh, conflicts on a long-term basis. Ito yung binasa ko kanina. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So basically, they, they traced back their journey uh, returning to Antioch. They strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So, you know what they did? They preached the gospel. They strengthened the believers. They did not sugarcoat the message. They raised new leaders for the church. And they entrusted these churches and its leaders to the Lord. You know, the key thing here for me is raising up new leaders. That's, that's very important for me. You know, if Paul and Barnabas wanted to make sure that what they started will continue, what they started will flourish, they needed to raise new leaders. It's a very wise thing to do. It's a wise thing to do for Paul and Barnabas to, to raise new leaders. You know why? Because they know, Paul and Barnabas know, they will never be present all the time. They will die eventually. Maybe by stoning to death. Maybe by shipwreck. Maybe in prison or maybe in old age. They will leave they will not be present and even if they survive all the attacks kahit na maiwasan lahat nila yung yung mga bato na binabato sa kanila kahit na hindi sila ma-shipwreck kahit na hindi sila mamatay in anything like that you know the other danger if they don't raise new leaders if they don't leave people in the city will worship them as gods people in that city will look up to them and not turn to God. That's why they needed to leave. That's why they needed to raise new leaders. You know, this is a, a personal thing. How I wish, you know, in Breadcom QC, our, our current leaders will never grow tired. <laughs> that they will never grow old. That they will be here forever. Because I respect them. I know that they're handling this church well. But 
No, it's just a matter of time. You know, things will change. And so we needed to raise new leaders in our church. So here's, here's my plea. If you have the desire to serve the church and lead and be a leader in whatever capacity, go for it, brothers and sisters. Go for it. Sabi sa scripture, sabi ni Paul kay Timothy, whoever desires, to, whoever desires an office of an overseer, meaning a shepherd of God's flock, is desiring an honorable thing. Wag na nating ano, wag na wag tayong mag-false humility. Hindi sa akin 'yan, pastor. Hindi ako kasing galing nito. Let's not do that. Actually, uh, I have a I have a confession to make. I I actually have been praying that the Lord will raise new leaders in the church, and I actually took the initiative to talk to certain people. I will not mention their names. I don't want to put them on the spot. But I talked to them and said, would you lead this church? Would you, would you be one of the leaders in our church? And I'm so glad that they haven't rejected me yet. And I hope there will be more people who will say, Pastor, I want to lead. I want to lead. So there are troubles from outside. They experience, you know, conflicts of unbelief and false belief. And we need to address that. But there are also troubles inside the church that needs to be dealt with. How did this happen in the early church? Or there, there was a, a twisting of the truth that led to confusion. In fact, hindi lang confusion, people thought, are we really saved? So here's what happened. We are now on chapter 15. Acts 15.1, While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived. So mukhang hinahabol talaga sila ng conflict. Some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Pastor, baka naman mga taong nanggugulo lang talaga yan, hindi yan mga, mga tunay na, na Christians. Verse 5 says, But then, some of the believers. They belonged to the sect of the Pharisees. They stood up and insisted, insisted. The Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. Pastor, why was this a critical issue? Circumcision lang naman yan ah. Ginawa ko yan nung bata ako. Tapos na. <laughs> Qualified na ako. Ano, what's the big deal about this? What's the message behind the message? You know, the message behind the message is you cannot be saved unless you're a Jew. What they are saying essentially is this. Yes, believe in the Lord Jesus, be baptized, follow the Jewish law, and then you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, be baptized, follow the Jewish law, and, be, and you will be saved. You know, if that is true, if that was true, then all of us here are worshiping in vain. 
there's no point on what we're doing here. How did Paul and Barnabas responded? Ano yung response nila? Here's how they responded initially. Verse 2. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, argued vehemently, but finally, so they argued, but finally, the church, so the church decided, not Paul and Barnabas, the church decided to send Paul, Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers to talk to apostles and elders about this question. So they brought the issue to the church leaders. And how did the church as a whole handle this uh, distortion of the truth that's causing a Gentile believer some confusion? Here's what they did. Three things. One, they listened. They listened. All throughout a big chunk of chapter 15, you will see people listening to people. But here's the summary, verse 12 and 13. Everyone listened how? How were they listening? They were listening quietly. In other translations, they were listening intently. They were not on their phone. They were not on Facebook. They were listening intently as Paul and Barnabas told them about the signs and wonders happening among the Gentile cities. They were there listening. They were very present. Hindi lang sila ang pinakinggan in verse 13 when they had finished speaking, apostle, one of the apostles, James, stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. So they listened to one another. They heard the opposition. Hindi na silabing bawal dito opposition na bawal dito negative view. Bawal, bawal pag-usapan dito yung LGBT. Hindi yun dito. They listened to that. They listened to one another. They listened to the testimony. They listened to their leaders and the leaders listened to them. But most importantly, they listened to the scripture. Look at verse 15. So when James was speaking, he quoted the scripture. He said, In this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written, Afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David, so, so that the kingdom, I will rebuild its ruins and restore it, so that the rest of the humanity might seek the Lord, including whom? Including the Gentiles. All those I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken. He has made these things known so long ago. So if you're looking for where is this, this is in Amos chapter 9. 11 and 12 and verse 17. You know, when they, when they listened to one another, the sound argument was not the final authority. When they listened to one another, the testimony was not the final authority. The signs and wonders were not the final authority. The one who had the biggest influence, the biggest voice was not the final authority. The final authority is the word of the Lord. So friends, brothers and sisters, when you hear someone share an opposing view, maybe on your social media, do you take time to listen first before you respond? 
Do you listen waiting for your turn to speak? Or do you listen when you just intend, when you really intend to understand? You know, this is, this is an advice not just for the church, but for everything in our lives. You know, last Thursday, just last Thursday, uh, Philippine Council of Evangelical Churches uh, organized a forum called A Rainbow of Perspective, a forum on uh, the LGBTQIA community. There were, ang, ang mga pumunta doon, ang mga speakers, uh, they, we heard uh, views on the legal view, theological view, on the humans, human rights view, on the psychological view, and the pastoral view on the matter. I think from the six people who spoke, three of them are non-Christians. The commission's, uh, Commission on U Human Rights uh, head was there to speak about human rights uh, in, in light of this. And I share this in, in our Bible study. Uh, when I attended that, I, it was a humbling experience for me. It was a humbling experience because, you know, I thought I was capable with, with, my, uh, with my experience. I have, I have gay friends growing up uh, in college and also at workplace. I, 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 I thought I was capable of handling the issue with care. And, and I was excited to attend that, but in reality, you know, I was just collecting weapons to win an argument. I was collecting weapons to win an argument, to say that I am right and they're wrong. I realized that there are so many things I do not understand. I was not listening enough. You know, the world will be a much better place if we listen more and talk less. The world will be a much better place if we just listen. So they listened, but they didn't stop there. They also affirmed what was right and what is happening. In verse 6, so the apostles and the elders met together to resolve the issue. This is what's happening in, in verse 6 of chapter 15. After at the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as, as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach the, the, to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news of uh, Jesus Christ for them to believe. God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by how? By giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did. He made no distinctions between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. What he's saying is, you know, there is there's something happening there in the Gentile communities that also happened to us. And what that is, is the work of the Holy Spirit. So what do we affirm? Ano yung i-affirm natin for someone 
who says that they are followers of Jesus Christ, but they don't look, speak, and act like, like us, like our worship service, like, you know, they don't act like we do. What will we affirm? Well, we can affirm the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. We can affirm the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. You know, itong issue na to of, of confusing a distorted truth, this is an issue that was also prevalent in the church in Galatia. You remember we had the series in the book of Galatians. Paul was very angry at them. Uh, and he talked about this exactly the same thing. He said this in Galatians 3.26. Galatians 3.26 says, For all, you are, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All who have been united in Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hala, pastor, si Apostle Paul, supporting genderless concept. There's no male and female. Patay. You know, no, that is not the point of the passage. You know, if you, if you really see, he is not emphasizing national identity, Jew or Gentile. He's not emphasizing sociopolitical identity, slave or free. He's not even emphasizing gender identity, male or female. What he is affirming is our identity in Christ. And he is saying our Christian identity supersedes all these identities. You will have problem with being Jew or Gentile. You will have problem between uh, uh, employees and employers. You will have problem with, between male and female and everything in between. But if your Christian identity is intact, that is all that matters. Pastor, how do I affirm those who do not have this Christian identity yet? How can I affirm someone who does not subscribe to his or her Christian identity? Hindi niya sinasabing Christiano siya. How do I affirm a non-believer? You know, you can even affirm a non-believer by affirming that he is created in the image of God. No matter how he looks, no matter how he acts, no matter even if he rejects God, the very, pre the very existence of God, he is still created in the image of God, whether he believes it or not. And you can affirm that to him. So you deal with that person with respect. You deal with that person with love because he is created in the image of God. You know what else? You both need the gospel. You both need the gospel. So let's affirm that. Let's affirm what we have here. Let's encourage people. But pastor, maybe, you know, if we affirm, 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 that may be misunderstood as tolerating everything. You know, that is not the case because, you know, the, the church did not stop there. They, there's a third thing they did. They affirmed what was right, but they also corrected what was wrong. 
they corrected what was wrong. So in verse 19, this is what James said when he spoke. So this is my judgment when he shared the, the scripture. This is my judgment so that, uh, uh, is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write them and tell them to, to what? Abstain from eating food offered to idols, abstain from sexual immorality, abstain from eating meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. <laughs> For these laws of Moses have been preached in, in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath, for many generations. So what James is saying, you know, he is not saying, do your thing. Do you, brother, express yourself. You're approved ka na ni God, just do your thing. That's not what he's saying. You know, what he is saying, I affirm that you are turning to God and I, I, I encourage you to keep doing that. But as you are turning to God, pursue godliness in your life. Pursue godliness in your life. There, there needs to be something corrected in your life as you pursue, as you turn your life towards God. Here's the problem. Here's two problems that can happen in, uh, in correcting people. Two problems. You know, there are people who are trigger happy with correcting. <laughs> trigger happy with correcting. You know, if you see a post from a friend uh, about something, you respond kakagad, bro, that's wrong. Trigger happy tayo to, to correct. Here's my uh, pastoral reminder. Please do not correct when you have not yet listened or affirmed that person. Do those two first, first two things first. Listen, affirm. If you do that, correct. Here's another thing. Only correct people whom you have personal, mutual relationship with. Don't correct a stranger, please. Don't correct someone on Facebook. That's going to escalate real fast. You know, I always mention this. I, I mentioned this in, in, uh, in the membership class. You know, they say Justin Bieber is a Christian, right? Do you agree? Is, is he a Christian or not? I always say, I don't know. I don't know. He's not a member of Redcom QC. So let's say, let's say, let's say Brett, uh, Justin Bieber is a Christian. And I see on social media some questionable acts. And as a Christian brother, Justin Bieber, you're my brother. I want to correct him, so I'll send him a message. Justin, it's not too late to say sorry. Can I? Sorry, I can't resist it. <laughs> Justin, what do you mean? <laughs> Tama na. 
Can I do that? Can I do that to him? I cannot do that. I'm not his pastor. I'm not even his friend. I don't even follow his social media. I cannot correct him. If you have that tendency, just pause. Have I listened and affirmed this person? Have, uh, do I have a personal mutual relationship, personal accountability with this person so I can correct him? If those things are present, go ahead. But here's another problem, the other end of the extreme. More common in Filipinos, we're hesitant to correct people. We're very hesitant, we're afraid to correct people. You know, napagod ka nakaka-correct kasi matigas ang ulo. Yung lagi mo nang sinasabihin, bro, wag yan. <laughs> or, takot ka na baka pag, pag kinorek mo siya, ma-offend. O kaya magalit sa'yo, o kaya hindi na kayo friends. Here's my reminder. You know, Christian responsibility is to listen, to affirm, and to correct. The Holy Spirit's work is to convict, to convince, and to convert. We will have problems if you feel that it's your responsibility to convince that person, or to convict that person, or to convert that person. That is not your work, brother. That is not your work, sister. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. When you do your part in listening, affirming, and correcting, you're done. You're faithful already. Now, if the person turns to God, immediately praise God. If the person turns to God after a year, after 10 times you mentioned, don't do that, praise God. Don't feel responsible in, a per, in the person's conversion. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And when you lovingly correct someone, for those who are hesitant about correcting, when you lovingly correct someone, if that person is really a truly converted person, you know, he or she will not take offense at your correction. They will hear your correction and rejoice. Look, let's go back to the text in verse 30. So here, here's what's happening. They are, there's confusion, there's problem. So they sent the letter to the to the gentle people, ito yung nangyari, verse 30. The messengers were at once at Antioch where they called a general meeting of the believers and delivered the letter. Binasa nila sa general assembly. Ano yung response nila? There was great joy throughout the church that day. As they read, anong tawag nila doon sa message? Encouraging message. Anong sabi ng message? Abstain from what you're doing. Abstain from sexual immorality. Encouraging ba yun? That's correcting, but they saw that as encouraging because they were listened to and affirmed and they followed the scripture and they say, we accept this. We accept this as an encouragement. You know, when there is this distortion of the truth happening within the flock, we should not panic or be defensive. Instead, let's listen first. Let's listen to opposing views. 
Let's listen to testimonies. Let's listen to our leaders. Let's listen, most importantly, to the scripture. Secondly, let's, let's affirm people and encourage them what, what the work of the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives. Let's affirm even unbelievers to see that they are created in the image of God. But also, lastly, let's show love by correcting what is wrong. You know, Jesus exemplified this to us. We see this in John chapter 8. You know the story when the leaders, Jewish leaders, presented a woman who was caught in adultery. You see this in John 8, 1 to 11. The lady was presented to Jesus, and, and you can look into it in your own time. And this is the towards the end. So Jesus listened to the argument, the opposing views, and he affirmed and he corrected. This is what he said, verse 10 and 11. Jesus stood up, said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. He didn't stop there. From now on, sin no more. When there are people who are drawn to this community, but they don't look like us, they don't act like us, but they are drawn to Christ, how will Breadcom QC respond? When they have questions about their sexuality, when they have questions about their habit, when they have questions about their mental health, how will Breadcom QC respond? Will we listen? Will we affirm them? Will we correct them? Let me end with just an assurance on how we can overcome these troubles. Two assurances from Jesus and Paul. Jesus says in John chapter 16, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Who is this? Who is this guy? Apostle Paul. Verse 33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Here's what Apostle Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves... We are just like fragile clay. We are just jars of clay containing this treasure. Basically what he said with those who were trying to worship him. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. And here's what, this is his testimony. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but are not driven to despair. 
We are hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but dust it off, stand up again because we are not destroyed. Why? Verse 17 says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. That's our hope in the midst of trouble. Our hope is the future glory, and our hope is Jesus overcoming the world already. Pastor, ang hira pala maging kristyano. <laughs> ang hira, puro trouble. Why would we subject ourselves to these kinds of trouble? May pagkamasokista ba ang kristyano? Ganun lang ba mangyayari sa atin? Medyo talagang, talagang bubugbugin lang tayo ng mundo? Bakit hindi pwedeng effortless na lang ang Christian life? Bakit hindi pwedeng, you know, shortcut na lang, expressway na lang yung Christian life ko? Here's the reason. Because it was not effortless for Christ to save you from sin. It was not effortless for Christ to save you from sin. Because Christ entered your mess, got himself into our very chaotic world, to bring us out of darkness. It cannot be effortless because God did not take the safest, shortest route to get to you. Instead, He took the hardest one. He took the hardest one by sending His Son, His very own Son, to die on the cross for our sake. It is God saying you are worth all the trouble. I will not take a shortcut for you. You are worth all the trouble. And so because we were bought at a price, any trouble that we experience in this redeemed life, whether external conflict, whether internal conflict, because of Christ, we can say, through all these troubles, it's worth it. It's worth it. Let us pray. Lord, just like Apostle Paul, we confess that we are just jars of clay, ordinary people, fragile, and not even beautiful. But what we carry in our lives is a treasure called the gospel. We confess that we are pressed on every side. We are sometimes knocked down. But we were never destroyed. Thank you that we have an assurance that as we experience troubles in this world, we know that you have already overcome. Thank you that we are not alone in this journey. Lord, we thank you that through these conflicts, we can say that we have help in you. That we can find grace 
in times of need. Lord, I pray when our church, when Breadcom QC experiences conflict from people outside this church, when people reject the truth that we present, when people look at us and, and idolize the personalities in our church, I pray, Lord, that we will divert all attention to you. Lord, I pray when we experience internal conflicts, when there are people here in our church that are confused because, because of what they have heard or what was taught to them. Lord, I pray that there will be clarity. Lord, forgive us in the many times that we have not listened to people. Forgive us when, we, when there are times when we were supposed to affirm but we corrected them. Forgive us when there are many times that we corrected people when, when what they need is an encouragement. Forgive us, Lord God, when we tolerated people. Lord, we look to you for example. That you would cause us, Lord God, to love the people you have brought in our midst. I pray, Lord, that Breadcompusy will be a place where people are listened to, people are affirmed with their testimonies, with what the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives, and people are loving, lovingly corrected. I pray, Lord God, that in all these things, as we experience conflicts together, that it will not cause division. Instead, that we will we'll come together and cry out to you for help, but declare also that you are our King and that you got our back. Thank you, Lord God, for the assurance in the gospel that all the troubles that we experience is worth it because we were bought at a price. And so this life that we have is from you. And so we enjoy every step of the way because you are with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.